We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? We will be rocking in LA. So let's rhyme it today. Just rhyme it. Yes. We are going to do rhyme it. Just yeah, rhyme That's it. where he just Ooh, ran down. Everybody, like everybody rhyme it. it. We'll be rocking in LA. Say hello to the Rams today and ram it. I mean, he, now he's like on his feet. Ram it. <laughs> wow. Ram it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Rams Brothers the Pod. Uh, we made it all the way to episode 27. I am amazed. Uh, I'm joined weekly with my brother, my co host, my sidekick, Nick. Uh, Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, two and out, great feeling. Revenge game completed. Uh, marching into Cleveland on on a short week for them. I'm feeling good. Ready for week three already? Yeah, I, I can't believe we're already in week three. It it feels great to get a win on the road in Carolina and to come all the way back to the Coliseum. Uh, you can come back and win 27 to nine against the Saints. Where this was a game that we had circled for a really long time. Uh, we actually went back and bought tickets. What was it? Maybe in uh, in April or May when they first went on sale because we were so excited. 
Um, and, you know, and the opportunity to be able to come back into the Coliseum and take care of business against the, uh, you know, the rival NFC champions who expected to, to have that game and who, who just thought they deserved to be the NFC champions um, and, and thought that they deserved to have a bid to go play the Patriots. Uh, we proved to them yesterday that uh, that was obviously a falsity. Uh, aside from the fact that Drew Brees got knocked out of the game, it seemed that we yeah. were, it seemed like we were able to dominate uh, at least on the defensive end of the ball. And then once the offense came together, the you know the game kind of ended fairly quickly. Um, but aside from that, Nick, um, what, what were you thinking during the game? What were what were some of your takeaways as we uh, as we jumped I in? I was I was really bummed about Drew Brees because then I knew that was going to be something that people were going to lock on to. And also, it's just a shame because Drew Brees is just a great quarterback, and you don't want to see that happen to somebody who's just that good at what he does. Um, you know, more of like a, and also it's just like a fair fight if he's in the game. Uh, he got knocked out early by a great play by Donald, um, and with uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy, uh, Teddy Skinny legs. Uh, it's just obviously it's not going to be the same, and it, it's it's a shame. And also, there's that there was that weird tuck rule. That seemed like with, with the golf fumble where he wasn't in motion and ball was out. Um, that seemed a little unfair, bad call. But regardless, that's the kind of stuff that you have. You have to have depth on your team, and you have to overcome bad calls if you want to win games. Because it's not like it only happens to you, Saints. Yeah. Even though that's what the Saints want to make it seem like. And the Rams coming out with a victory at home, a, a statement victory, honestly. Uh, only given up nine points and it was great it was great to see um i was at work so i could like kind of sneakily watch the game here and there obviously i was running around a lot but i got i got the most of it and then rewatched it of course <laughs> yeah let's let's and, let uh, me uh let me it, let me clarify what i was saying too because i did mention that we bought tickets a while ago to this game oh yes, but we yes, were yes. unfortunately we were not able to make it to the game uh, because we both had insane work schedules, and unfortunately, we had to sell the tickets, and it just didn't work out. But we, Rams fans, we will be back at the Coliseum at some point this year, and we will keep you updated as to when we will be there, so you could meet us in person. I know that you're, <laughs> <laughs> you know that you're so excited for that. And Donald, you can come, you come meet us at the Rams Brothers Tent. <laughs> well, yeah, we're eventually going to join up with uh, with the Rams Empire. I know that Tommy and that crew puts on a great tailgate. And Nick, actually, you know, in in breaking Rams news, we actually joined the Rams Talk Network. So we're going to be posting our episodes on Rams Talk as well. Uh, so you guys will be able to be, you know, redirected over to there. Uh, we're going to be a part of that network with some of the other cool shows that you guys are already listening to. Um, so yeah, yeah, we're in a pretty good situation. Us. Rams talk, the Rams network, the Rams in general. Uh, so we're all happy to be here at this point. Yeah, happy to be exactly where I have been for uh, all of this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You crack me up, co-host. So anyway, do you want to jump into a full recap of our win over the Saints? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I have a pretty good grasp on it because um, I watched it twice. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Game starts uh, with an interception to John Johnson on a pass that was intended for Jared Cook. Well came in for the hit, which was a demolishing hit, and dismantled Cook, which caused the ball to pop out. Looks like Hager had a chance at it, but the ball fell right into John Johnson's lap, a la the Super Bowl. I was watching alone, so... Uh, <laughs> oh, but apparently you have this written in the script that Dad had said, 
don't get too excited. This is what happened in the Super Bowl. That's crazy. Did he really say that? Yeah, that's exactly what he said. And uh, <laughs> it, it was pretty depressing because I was, you know, you genuinely get excited after a big hit is put on Jared Cook after all the, the angst that he caused us and the pain from those years of losing. So, you know, we, we like to move that relationship aside. And, you know, he was still a pretty effective player yesterday, although he, he committed a couple penalties. But, you know, we're just laughing at the fact that that ball just popped up in John Johnson's lap. Um, and it seemed like we, we had a pretty good start as to as to what, what could come in this game. Yeah. I uh, I was I mean, that's not a bad start by any means. No, it, uh, it never offense, is. Offense uh, continued in the first half, a little woes. You know, people have been criticizing us in in the first half before we kinda get the ball rolling. Aside from the third down bomb from Goff to Cooks, which is when I was watching the game at work, right when I had turned it on. That was the first play, and I was like, yes! Uh, we, we have to be able to convert after a turnover in a huge play like that. Uh, Red Zone, uh, I saw a cowherd tweets. I really like McVay, but sometimes he gets too cute. It's the Red Zone. Well, like, so does Colin Cowherd. He gets a little bit too cute, too. But it, it was a bad well, call. Not a, you're not a coach. Yeah, I know, but it was a bad play call on third and five on that screen of Gerald Everett. They are they went to Gerald Everett the play before on second and seven, and then again on third and five. But why are you not pounding Todd Gurley in that scenario? And then you the obviously tell me, you cannot tell me that Everett did not look like a deer in headlights because he did. He was like, I got the ball right now on third down, third and five, a yeah. screen. It was a little. It was just a little. It was little Henderson. Uh, being called in uh, last week is what it felt like. You just have to be able to convert on those opportunities, and that was my biggest complaint uh, in in Carolina too, is that we had so many opportunities to put that game away, and we just weren't able to. But you know, you, th- that's the thing with the Rams' offense. You know, at this point in the first quarter, they're still not in sync, and you know, you're watching Havenstein get destroyed by Cameron Jordan. There's a lot of inconsistencies throughout the offensive line. Obviously, uh, you look at the the left tackle, and he's incapable of making a mistake. He's Iron Man forever absolutely unbelievable but that aside it looked like the entire uh, you know and actually brian allen pretty much held his own but you know they were they were getting rushed pretty well and that that defensive front is really tough for the saints so the rams had to punt the ball twice in the first quarter and they weren't good ones and then on on third and eight with six minutes and 45 seconds left in the first we see aaron donald rushing breeze up the middle and we see an errant throw and don't really think that much of it but nick when we went went and watched the replay it was pretty obvious that breeze probably had something broken in his hand, maybe his thumb, maybe the ligament was torn, who knows. But then we see Teddy Skinny Legs trotting into the game. And it really gave Aaron Donald, <laughs> Michael Brockers, Fowler, Clay Matthews, I think it all gave him an extra boost of energy because at that point, Nick, they knew that you know Teddy Bridgewater is not, not capable of getting the ball out as quickly as Drew Brees does. So that being said, um, I mean, Teddy looked pretty good for, for the situation that he was put in and obviously the injury that happened to him a couple years ago where he had to be airlifted off the field because his knee blew out. So, you know, a lot of props to him for, for having the confidence and being able to step back into the game and, and drive the ball down the field a little bit for the Saints. But, you know, what could we say there aside from the fact that it, it's not Drew Brees? Yeah, it's, it's not Drew Brees. Uh, after that, he's off the field and the reports are kind of coming out quickly. I'm getting texts like, game's over. 
And I'm like, wow, well, it's nice that all my friends have such confidence in the Rams. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you'll be able to tell as we go through this recap when confidence is actually gained. But it, it it's not until after the second half because, Nick, the second quarter started off with another bad punt by Johnny Hecker. And I'm starting to think to myself, what's up with these 45-yard punts? He was hitting them 80, 85 yards last week. So it's just it's kind of hit or miss with him at this point or over the first two weeks. But And also, Nick, let's not forget that Aaron Donald had to get up and leave the game because of a back injury. So it, it I didn't was, see when that happened. Yeah, it was. he got rolled over and he was laying on his back. He, he jumped right back up, and then he ran into the locker room. And, you know, obviously with a, a player like that who's never hurt, you see somebody, you know, putting his hand on his back, making sure his shoulder pads are correct, making sure he's, you know, he's, he's upright. It's something that you don't really want to see with him. No, not, obviously not. Yeah, and definitely not. So, you know, as the quarter started to progress a little bit on the Rams' next possession, um, we got a call for no boom on a block on the back, and the Saints started stacking the box against the Rams, so we continued to be reluctant to run the ball, which is just kind of nauseating because you have, you have to establish the run. Um, but we were getting beat up front by the Saints, so obviously that was the reason why they weren't doing it. And then Austin Blythe went down, Nick, so there's there was just a lot of pain that we were we were suffering at this point. We cannot establish the, the run until the second half uh, is is what has happened these last two games. It's like there's just no real attempt to even get it really going. And it's just not enough if with um, with Todd Gurley and Malcolm Brown together. Uh, and I hate to say that because, you know, they ran Gurley like crazy in the beginning of the season last year. 8-0 and before we lost to the Saints in week nine and we were just we had established the run so I guess it's a more smart way of playing if you're playing for like the big picture Super Bowl but it's it is a little just tough to watch where it's just like an, all right well you're gonna throw it again and you're gonna just keep going at this especially when they're just blitzing like really heavy yeah, and then, you know, in that situation too, Nick, where, where the Jared Goff fumble happened, where Cameron Jordan was flying around the edge, uh, that should have been a touchdown for the Saints. I mean, it was, it yeah, was a, a clear fumble. It was a clear fumble. It's a bad call by the refs initially, and he was so confident that they blew the whistle dead, um, so the play was dead. So, I mean, we, we retweeted a tweet by Gene Setteratone. Um, he's a former ref, um, and he did tweet that you have to be 100% sure that the quarterback's arm is moving forward with control of the ball, and the ball was clearly out of Goff's hands and out of his control, which should have been ruled a fumble. However, the contact to Goff, which was a slap in the face, was a clear roughing the passer, which would have allowed the Rams to keep the ball. I don't know if I necessarily believe that because it looked like the the hit on his arm actually caused the fumble before any pass interference happened. So I, I genuinely think that that was a fumble. But uh, Onion Mata and, and Cameron Jordan were just dominant. And, you know, you have to think to yourself, that should have been a 10-3 game. Yeah. It, it really should Absolutely. have been. It really should have been. On the next drive, too, the Saints... They ended up going for it on fourth and one on an inside handoff, and our Rams defense ends up stepping it up again. Um, and honestly, they probably should have rolled out Bridgewater at that point, but it was a kind of a questionable call from Sean Payton as they were on their own 48. So. Sean Payton's all full of questionable calls. I mean, last year, you, that play with the pass interference everybody wants to keep talking about, it shouldn't have even happened. You just run the ball there. He's trying to get fancy, and get the first down when you just got to eat up the clock you're playing the clock at that point yeah so i wasn't surprised at that i love that the defense stepped up right there 
And then right after that, the Rams get the ball back on the uh, back with two thirty to go in the half, and they finally start to click a little bit, start firing. Uh, they went down to the four yard line, had a chance to convert to Cooper Cup on the right side, but missed. Had to settle for another field goal, which is a little alarming again. But obviously, we get that six on the board, and boom, it's six three going into half. Yeah, and they ended up actually flashing that stat. Sean McVay is actually 19-0 and when being up at halftime. So, you know, we're only up 6-3. to At that point, I'm, I'm not overly confident in the fact that, you know, we're going to be putting this game away really quickly because I didn't see anything from our offense that was telling me that. And obviously the pass rush in the front four from the Saints was overly dominant. And we saw Blythe go down, who, thank God, Nick, he's only day-to-day. So he's, he's potentially going to be back next week with a bad ankle. But as long as we don't have to see Jameel Denby in there, and I think that that, that front four is going to be fine, or front five is going to be fine, you know, you're just a little bit you know worrisome of no boom and, and Austin Blythe. With the depth, uh, it just gets a little bit concerning. But then, Nick, T-Pain comes in at halftime, and uh, he, he allows us all to breathe deeply. I think he bought everybody in that stadium a drink. <laughs> I knew that was coming, and I still laughed. <laughs> it's the go-to T-Pain joke. Yeah, yeah, I wonder if he found the bartender. Uh, oh, God, that was uh, horrible. That was so bad. Yeah, like, you, you, there's, there's no delivery there. You just, like, drop that line. I know, I tried to sneak it in. That's, that's, uh, that's why I'm not the comedian in this show. But anyway, the third quarter starts, and uh, we, we're still obviously concerned about what's going on with Demby and Nopoom. And Havenstein, Nick, actually was called for two holdings, and it's just the fact that, that Cameron Jordan is such an animal. Um, but on our three and out, which started the quarter, it was pretty obvious that we, we really kind of started to, to need that offensive line depth. I think, you know, all the, all the pros and all the scouts and everybody else that was kind of working on the inside of the Rams identified this as a major pain point, but... When it starts to happen in the middle of a game, when you you know you knocked the starting quarterback out, uh, we're going to be a little bit concerned as fans. Yeah, I was concerned. I know. Yeah, and we we both were, and uh, as Rams Nation should be. And and Hecker can, was continuing to kill us with those short those short punts. But the Saints continued to struggle moving the ball early in the in the third quarter. But we were able to tie the the Saints were able to tie the game up six to six with a 10-yard, 37-yard field goal drive. And then, Nick, we, we kind of creepily saw Drew Brees trot back onto the sideline and try to get the crowd up. Like, he is, his throwing hand was stable, but his left hand was pumping up the crowd. So we didn't know what was going on. But the Saints were continuously getting first downs. I think they had three consecutive first downs at that point, which the Rams hadn't done all day. Um, so it was eventually time to step up. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what they did. Um, uh they score with nine plays, 75-yard touchdown drive that was capped off with a four-yard Todd Gurley run, his first TD of the season. Yeah, so it was um, great to see him so, get in the end zone. Yeah, I, and, and it, it wasn't like an easy, like, you know, just like push in. Like he had to like, you know, move and get as far left to the field as he could. So the score's now at 13-6. We're really pretty confident in the fact that our defense was playing really well and the game was in the hands of the pass rush. Offense is starting to move the ball. You can feel the momentum swing, which is really, I mean, half of these games when you start scoring. You really start scoring. Then we're introduced to the thunder of Clay Matthews, the golden thaw, comes <laughs> off the edge and lifts poor Teddy's uh, skinny legs like he's Mjolnir and just summons him to his hand right to the dirt. <laughs> Clay causes a fumble, and boom, 
the Saints sadly get it back. Uh, yeah, the Saints ended up falling back on the ball. But Nick, on the on the next play, Michael Brockers, uh, the Boom god of him for the sack, the god of the of the defensive line, uh, comes in for the sack. The Saints on that that was a three play negative twelve yard drive, and then that ball was ended up being punted away to JoJo Natson, Nick, who looked like Tavon Austin's little brother. We had a really nice return for 36 yards. Just took us all the way down to the Saints' 26-yard line. So from yeah, there, see, I told you that I would tell you in the recap when we started feeling confident. I think you could hear it now that we were confident. Yeah, and who would have thought? Who would have thought that JoJo Napson would have been the been the true momentum uh, creator? Like just building momentum behind him and everybody just flocking to it. It was nuts. And that's what you got to love about uh, Bodzi and him he got a game ball at the end of the game. He got one of one of three. He did. And uh, and I'm just happy that we can. I, I haven't seen any trickery yet, much in special teams, which I'm honestly fine with. But the fact that they're just playing well and exceeding expectations, um, which were already high, is more than enough. Yeah, Nick. And finally, right, we're seeing a consistent tempo from the offense. And it's amazing what happens when you start to establish the run on first down, Nick. The outside pitches were really working well, like you said to Todd Gurley, who made that extra effort on the left side to, to get the touchdown. But also, you know, establishing the run on first down is so important. And it leads to another quality drive for the Rams with a touchdown to Gurley and then an amazing catch and throw to Brandon Cooks on a slant play, which I don't even know how Goff fitted in that window. Um, but Brandon Cooks, it was really, his hands were, and he did have one drop, but, you know, that, that deep ball that he caught, he caught the bottom half of the ball. And then on that slant, he just stabbed it out of the air, which was always kind of a concern with him. So it was great to see them go up 20-6. to six. The archer took out all of his um, all of his arrows and was shooting them into the audience. So obviously we, we were really excited to see that. Um, and after the third quarter was over, the Rams were up 20-6. to six. Yeah, I mean, it was at that point. I am thinking, uh, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. This is this. We could be watching the greatest receiver core in the NFL, truthfully. And I'm trying to say that as non-biasedly as I can. But uh, I, I don't know if I even can do that anymore. Cause I'm such a known Rams fan. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's amazing to see when Goff. Had like just hits them where he should, and he just has time and time again. And uh, this season is just no uh, exception. Yeah, it's it's really not too. And it, it just I, we just would like for it to happen faster. But the you know the, in the fourth quarter, Nick, the Saints kind of came back. Um, you know, in very tiny ways, they ended up putting together a nice drive, which ended in a forty-two yard field goal. Yeah, and, and we're kind of impressed too at that point. On third and eleven, when Bridgewater's getting flushed out of the pocket. He flicks one for 15 yards, um, and those are the kind of plays, too, that you're just kind of hopeful that they evaporate if you have to play somebody like Dallas or you have to play somebody like the Packers late in the playoffs. You know, you have to be able to stop that stuff. Um, and I don't think Marcus Peters had a single tackle yesterday. I think he's actually allergic to tackling. Um, but aside from that, Nick, in the fourth quarter, we got that amazing play from Cooper Cup. He got the necessary separation on an amazing route, too, and then stiff-armed Lattimore all the way into the ground. So it was great to see him bounce around and make that play. And honestly, Nick, let's just thank God for Cooper Cup that he's back because he's exactly what we need to get this offense cooking. Yeah, I mean, he is uh... – <laughs> He was, uh, as uh, our guests will say later, ping-ponging up and down the field on that play, and it was uh, it was fireworks. It, it certainly <laughs> was. 
And then, Nick, you were looking at Goff, too, and Goff ended up, you know, because Cooper Cup didn't end up scoring. But Goff went in for the quarterback sneak. Looked like he went to go flip the ball to YG and give everybody a high five. And <laughs> he's just such a goof compared to everybody else that ever has scored a touchdown. But I'll tell you what, the whole team, when they're up and when they're winning and when they're they're happy and excited, they are a blast to watch. <laughs> Go running off a gift watch, GI five. He did. Did you see that? It was like slap hands. Yeah, I did. It was great. Yeah, it it was. Um, and honestly, Nick, you know, before that that game really started, obviously Rams fans and Saints fans were a little bit cautious as to what could happen. And you know, we don't want those kind of things to happen. Like we're not rooting for. You know, bad calls from the ref. We're not rooting for Drew Brees to get hurt. We're not rooting for anything like that. We're just rooting for a good game and may the best team win. Um, so for us to come out on top, you know, I don't think that there's anything negative that we could take away from that game aside from the fact that the offensive line uh, needs a little bit more depth and maybe a little bit more help. And if the Rams offense can get going a little bit sooner, Nick, these games are going to be blowouts. Yeah, they are going to be incredible blowouts, hopefully against the Browns next week. Yeah, well, you know, from what we're watching right now, it looks like the Browns are kind of starting to put it together. So, Oh, yeah, yeah. Finally, in the third quarter uh, against a, a Jets team on their third-string quarterback who only can manage three points, the Browns are starting to put it together. They're playing a real team next week. Um, yeah, let's see how they do that. Yeah, for real. I and, mean, you know, we don't have to take too much of a look at the Browns. Um, but honestly, Nick, you know, when you look back at this game, it, we're, we were penalized eight times. We don't want that to happen. The time of possession was kind of split down the middle. Um, the Rams and the Saints had the same amount of passing first downs, which is kind of weird. Um, and, you know, we're, we're, we were looking at Blythe, um, who was actually going to be okay, thank God. And the same same situation with Higby, who had an issue with his lungs and was actually coughing up blood. So we didn't, we didn't necessarily come out of that game clean. Um, but the positives surrounded by it were the fact that we held Kamara only to 13 carries for 45 yards. Obviously, it's because they were never able to, to you know, surgically uh, break us down the way that Drew Brees normally can. Um, so, you, you know, you move that aside. But there are some, some really nice things to take away from this game. But there's also some things to focus on. And, and nothing is ever perfect. Let's, let's call it that way. Yeah. And um, it's still very early on. We can uh, continue to rocket towards the beginning. We certainly can. And, you, you know, if you want to look around at the division, uh, it's so weird to see San Francisco and Seattle at 2-0, isn't it? Not Seattle. Not at, at 2-0 is not really that, that absurd. Having uh, Arizona at uh, 0-1-1 is just weird. I heard they played for the tie that first game. I didn't really watch that. San Francisco 2-0 is bizarre, and they'll play a really good team soon. Uh, Eagles and the Falcons both one and one after the honestly the game of the week. Um, I loved our game obviously because we won and we started demolishing. But that Eagles Falcons game was up to the very very end. Um, Saints are one and one. Bears are one and one. Vikings are one and one. And then I think a, a team that everybody is kind of sleeping on right now. Maybe they'll get bigger. Is the Packers are going to be a good team with a solid defense, a new offensive scheme, and Aaron Rodgers. So it's weird how much it it, it shifts. The Packers could be the Saints of this of, of this year if we end up, uh, you know, continuing to ride into the playoffs, which we clearly look like a playoff contender team. I know it's only week two, but out of the teams, yeah, we're definitely one of them. Yeah, you're right. I, you know, you look around too. It's it's going to be interesting, but you know, you you want to look at. And the, 
and the Cowboys. Packers too. and the Cowboys, yeah, and, and potentially the Eagles and whoever else kind of comes out of that. So it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, but Nick, before we jump into our our latest and greatest segment, we are uh, we're going to stop and say a word from our sponsor. So before we move on to this next segment, here is a word from our sponsor, my bookie. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Next picks of the week. Proud to you by Chips Ahoy. Hey everybody, uh, it's your boy. Recovering a little bit from last week, but feeling good, uh, brother. Before I get any started, uh, any guaranteed locks for the week? Uh, I know. I, I don't know. This is your segment, Mister Nick's picks of the week. Um, I don't know. I, I like the uh, I like the Panthers over the Cardinals. I like the Vikings over the Raiders, but I don't have anything that's that's a sure bet. I'll, I'll leave all that to you. Okay, so. So no guaranteed locks from Dean. Surprising. Let's see. Guar- uh, so, guaranteed uh, lock. I'll lock. Uh, I'll lock the Vikings over the Raiders. How about that? Okay, good. That's a good one. Awful spread, but okay. Um, so <laughs> last week I went uh, two for five, which is not a winning record. Even though they were my picks personally, I only bet on three ge- three games, and that was uh, Tampa Bay money line, Vikings money line, Rams money line, and I just had a gut feeling on Thursday about Tampa. I know it's a weird bet and they you know people were not uh were not too uh, encouraging when i placed that down but uh, uh you know i just saw how bad cam looked the week before against us and just threw it down uh you know can't complete like five yard passes just overthrowing people all over still no touchdown passes and the panthers just looked awful so that was a good bet but this is exactly where we buy some Panther stock. First game of the week, Panthers versus Cardinals. Cardinals are favored to beat uh, Arizona by two and a half points, even though the game is in Arizona. I haven't loved what I've seen from Kyle Murray, maybe only in the fourth quarter. He's not the wonder boy that everybody thought he was. He has not <laughs> taken the Cardinals away from the mucky muck just yet. And I don't think next week he will either. Cam has been absolutely dreadful, dreadful as I just talked about. Uh, he has no feet work whatsoever. And his attire before and after the game has been, uh, I would say, subpar, Dean. I would say it's it's way worse than subpar. Sometimes he looks like Darkwing Duck. Sometimes he looks like Batman and Robin. He's dressing up like a different comic book hero. Or uh, he looks like he's in a Halloween costume every other week. I don't know what the hell that is. Yeah, he's he's getting a couple double bogeys with those. Agreed. He's just, uh, I feel like he's just a shell of himself. But at the same time... Just like the Pokemon Metapod, he's going to break out of the shell and become a Butterfree this weekend. I like Carolina a lot. I like Cam to go off against a very weak Arizona defense. And I I like Christian to have at least least two TDs. Uh, Final score, I'm going to go 30-7 Carolina. I'm taking the Panthers spread, which is not something I usually do. Okay. Interesting. All right, what do you got next? Next, I got Vikings Raiders. And Raiders are marching into Minnesota Sunday at 1 p.m. Dean, you and I both know uh, Kirk does best at 1 p.m. and not any other time slot. Um, what <laughs> happened to the Vikings last week, Dean? It looked like they had they had some fire in their gullet. 
And then uh, Kirk was like, you know what? I'm going to place a bet on uh, the Packers and just throw this game away, literally. Well, I don't know. You were so hot on the Vikings this past week uh, and the week before. So, I mean, I don't know. It's it's the NFL. It was week one. They came out with an incredible performance. Kirk Cousins hardly had to throw the ball. Dalvin Cook was all over the place. But then on the other side, you know, they're, they're going up against the Packers, and it's obviously a completely different game. Um, it's in division. Um, and Atlanta comes back and bounces back. So it really is, you know, the first two weeks of the season. So we're really just going to have to wait and see what they're going to do. I think why I liked the game so much last week is because the Vikings were so not favored because it's Packers and it's, you know, division and all that, um, which is why I put, you know, a lot of money on it. But Kirk, why Kirk? After Baby Boy Diggs played so well. I just don't <laughs> understand how you overthrow that ball. It wasn't the last play of the game. It just really hurt my soul. And, um, yeah, it, it, it just freaking hurts. That being said, though, I think this game isn't going to be as easy as Vikings fans think it is. The Raiders won against a dog poop team with the Broncos and held their own for a bit against a divisional rival in the Chiefs in Week 2. So although everyone wants to count them out, the Chief, uh, the, the Raiders, uh, I do too. I'm sorry, uh, Derek Carr. I think you're an okay QB, but your team is just kind of wacky. Uh, maybe I'll take you next week, but the Vikings just still show too much promise. And uh, one or two, uh, they were one or two run plays away from running last week. If Kirk just doesn't totally blow it, uh, Rogers truly has been bailed out in two games thanks to his defense. It really shows. Vikings have some fight in them. They got that chip on their shoulder, making me think they'll take this one. But the Raiders will make it close. I don't like an eight-point spread for the Vikings. That seems too high. It seems unreasonably uh, high. Yeah, very high. So I would take uh, Vikings money line at oh my goodness, it's minus three seventy-five. Yikes. Got to throw a lot to make a Vikings profit there. I just don't think Oakland is capable of uh, beating them, which is, uh, you know, which is uh, at the end game all we can really talk about. 17-10 Minnesota, don't you know, I'm taking them over. Okay. So your next game on the dock, I think that that's a fair pick. Uh, yeah, I like that pick too. Your next game on the dock is the Giants versus the Bucks, And, Nick, I got to say, I love the Bucks in this game. Really? I, ah, hmm. I feel like uh, this game is almost exactly similar to Cincinnati versus the Bengals. Uh, you know, both teams. You mean all Cincinnati four... versus the Bills? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, Cincinnati versus the Bills. Buffalo Bills, Bengals. A lot of bees. <laughs> the BBBs. Um, Cincinnati versus the Bills. I think it's going to be probably the the two worst games of the week right there. Um, I. The Bills are about to be 3-0 because that's my Nick Quick pick of the week is, boom, Bills are going to beat the Bengals. <laughs> I like them a lot. Um, but let's go back. Let's circle back to the Giants versus Buccaneers. Uh, this game, when I had written this analysis, I had Eli in the game. And uh, the Giants are turning over a new leaf, and uh, Danny Jones is starting for them. So I might switch my pick to the Buccaneers because the Buccaneers' defense, especially in the red zone, was killer last week against Carolina. Um, I would not be surprised if the Giants pulled it out, but I am going to go, I'm going to say final score, 19-15 to 15 Bucks. Weird score. I know they're weird teams. And I think uh, Winston's going to eat a W. Yeah, I think he might eat a W. He might eat a crab leg. He might eat whatever it is that's presented in front of him. But, uh, no, I, I think I liked it that pick. And, and Danny Dimes is a rookie. You know, he was great in the preseason. I think he was only only through like six or seven incompletions in the preseason. So he's going to, you know, they might get a spark there from them. But I think uh, I, I think Tampa Bay's defense and defense coordinator and John Fowler is going to be really tough 
So, you know, we're going to have to see, but I like that final score. What do you got for uh, the Titans and the Jags? Last game of the week, I got Titans v. Jags. These commercials are pitiful, brother. Have you seen any of them? No, I don't I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, there's, there's there's a supposed, in the commercials for Thursday night, there's a supposed rival rivalry between the Titans and the Jags. And has there ever really in, been a freaking rivalry between these two teams? I mean, I know it's the same division, but when have these two teams been relevant at the same time, if ever? Never once! Titans were good when the Jags <laughs> didn't even exist, and the Jags went to the AFC Championship. When Mariota was hurt, probably. I don't even remember, but it was a couple years ago. There's a lot going on with Duval Nation, apparently. Foles is out with a bad injury for the whole season. Who knows if he's even going to come back next year. Ramsey wants out, and there's supposed to be a trade at the end of the week. Uh, He had a very vocal argument with uh, uh, Doug Marone, the head coach, on the sidelines. Apparently about being upset about playing in a zone, wants man-to-man coverage, which isn't even his call. I'm sure there was more to it than that. It's... I don't know. The whole organization just seems poorly run. Meanwhile, the Titans actually blew out the Browns with some rock star defense. So I like how the NFL just decided the first three Thursday night games were going to be absolutely awful. They're like, okay, Bucks, Carolina, how can we uh, follow this up with something worse? Easy, Titans, Jags. Uh, but I don't know. This is a big money game because if you do Tennessee money line, you can win out big because it's only minus 120. So if you put, say, 240 on the Titans to win out, the payout is 200 exactly. They're, uh, they're only one-point favorites. So most people would say bet Titans by one, and that payout's a little bit more. But uh, Titans just lost by two. So I, uh, so I think uh, first-point uh, first finish is not out of the cards. So I'm just going to do, like, a one-point finish. I'm just going to do Titans money line. Final score, 10-13 Titans. Okay. Nikki likes the Titans outright. Oh, it's pretty interesting. I love it. I love it. So I got I got Carolina, I got Minnesota, I got Giants, Bills, and uh, I know these are all weird teams, but most of the games this week have crazy spreads and money lines. Some teams that are just far better t- uh, playing, they are far worse, like the Lions, Eagles. Uh, they're not Eagles aren't going to lose to the Lions. And then uh, I guess I'll throw in a six pick because uh, I'm one hundred percent. If you've listened to this podcast at all taking the Rams on Sunday night, 820 against the Browns. I don't care if it's in Cleveland. Uh, the spread is open up, and they are minus three favorites going in to uh, Cleveland. So good for the Rams. I feel like it should be five. I actually really like that spread. Um, Rams minus three. I might uh, – yeah, I'm going to say Rams spread. Let's do that. Yeah, we had a bet going for uh, for ten bucks. Who was going to be right on the spread? I think you said five and a half. I said three. We're hovering right around three right now. So you can get your money in and bet him a three before it could potentially go up. You never know. Um, I, I think that that's a solid bet, and I think we both like the Rams in that game, especially after what we've seen the last two weeks. And you know, the Browns have a win over the Jets uh, as of last night, but that's not going to be something that you know we're we're giving them a crown for or placing them above anybody yeah. else for. So. Congratulations! You beat the Jets with their third string quarterback. Yeah, and as Good soon as job. they as soon as they beat the Jets, they released this friends promo video. Uh, so it's like you, you win one game. I think that they were afraid to release it after that loss to the Titans. So yeah, yeah they, go ahead, yeah. do whatever you want, Browns. We're still going to come into your house and beat you. Yeah, you're not going to be able to release any uh, you know promos after this. I'm sure you got a bunch of them in the catalog, but uh, it's not coming. So uh, get over it. Not right now. All right, we're going to transition into an interview with the Dizzle, Nick Martin, on Twitter. Stay tuned. 
fans of Rams Brothers the Pod, please join us, join us in welcoming Nick Martin to the show. Uh, you may know him as the Dizzle on Twitter, but uh, to us, he's he's Nick Martin, and he's uh, he's joining Rams Brothers, and he's joining both of us. Nick, how are you tonight? Good, man. Out for a little walk by uh, Lake Washington up here in Seattle. Ah, that sounds nice. That sounds nice. It is. And uh, we have uh, the other Rams brother, Nick, is actually joining us as well. So, Nick, how you doing? I'm good. I almost jumped in when you said, Nick, how you doing? But I didn't. <laughs> I, I held off. Well, we should we should refer to our guest as the Dizzle. The Dizzle, and, uh, yeah. And we'll refer, to you, we'll refer to you as Nick. How's that sound? Sounds A-OK. <laughs> All right, Perfect. so... So the Dizzle, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? And uh, I, I, we definitely want to hear about the whole situation yesterday. We want to hear about the Coliseum and the tailgate. But can you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got your start as a famous member of Rams Twitter? <laughs> famous, famous start of Rams Twitter. Um, yeah, Nick Martin. Uh, I joined Twitter for, I don't know, probably eight or nine or ten years ago, something like that. It was primarily because it was the best resource for fantasy football um playing like idp and debbie leagues and it was the best real-time uh spot for information i was sick and tired of waiting for espn tickers to tell me who's in and out and so joined twitter and it became the social media platform of choice for me consequently at the same time i moved to seattle and it was a way for me to network with ram fans that were uh, from here, I'm from Montana. There's not a ton of Ram fans there, um, so yeah, I'm just kind of a launching pad to that. And then I don't know because I was active on there. I think Twitter is your following count and who you meet is a byproduct of how active you are. I try to be so. Yeah. So uh, have, have you been a Rams fan forever, or is this is this more so of a uh, of a recent thing since they moved back to LA? Because I know that you know there are some fans that started in St. Louis as as, as we did. Uh, when we were younger, so we grew up kind of rooting for the St. Louis Rams, but I uh, kind of want to hear your history there, too. Um, yeah, I kind of got birthed into Ram fandom. Uh, my dad was a Rams fan. Okay. Uh, Same so here. I, really didn't have a ch- I didn't really have a choice. Uh, <laughs> Same with us. But I think from a, from a fandom standpoint, um, I was nine when they moved to St. Louis. So it was, from a timing perspective, like, I, I remember when, when they were in L.A., um, but like when I became like a diehard Rams fan, it was at the time of when they moved. Um, so, yeah, I was a Ram, Ram fan pre, pre-move, and because uh, I really didn't have an allegiance to a town, it was just the horns. I didn't stay, so, yeah. Yeah, that's funny because we were the exact same way. We had a dad who birthed us into it. He would put pictures of Ram, of the Rams. You know, he would hang jerseys in our room. He would hang plaques. <laughs> Everything that he could do to suck us into Rams fandom, he did. So that's eventually, you know, kind of how it started. You know, us being from New Jersey, we're kind of in the same ballpark there. So that's pretty cool. Um, so, were, were you ever affiliated with Turf Show Times at all, or I didn't know if you were part of that grouping? Um, I've done. Okay, so because I went to, or I'm from Montana, I, I'm a big uh, FCS football fan. Uh, University of Montana is, uh, yeah, that's the Rams part two for me. Um, so come draft time, uh, I usually, well, I used to write a bunch of uh, FCS prospect articles for them and whatnot, but um, yeah, know a bunch of those guys over there, all really good buddies of mine. Uh, so yeah. 
That that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, though. So we were talking to some of the Turf Show Times guy, guys. We had Seattle Rams on uh, a few weeks ago. So you know, I didn't know what your relationship was there. You know, I know that you guys are both from the Seattle area. So uh, it, it's probably fun to be to be fending off Seahawks fans as well now at this point because they're two and zero and they look like one of the best teams in the NFC at this point. I mean, obviously their schedule is not as tough as ours to, uh, to this point, but still, you, you know, you look around. And I'm not sure if if you kind of deal with the Seahawks fans a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. It's prevalent around here. Obviously, when I first moved here is when uh, when they won a Super Bowl, when they went to another Super Bowl. So it was insufferable. But I think uh, being a Rams fan, I don't know, you're used to just constant terribleness around you. So um, I was pretty conditioned to it. It's it's uh, life's a lot easier now uh, being a Rams fan living in Seattle. Um, I participate in Blue Fridays, just uh, Royal Blue. Uh, so yeah, I, I love it. Uh, I want to uh, ask you a question, Dizzle. I want to hop in here and uh, get the thing that I think I'm most excited is. I just want to know about the whole the whole process yesterday uh, and like what it was like at the Coliseum with everybody because we were supposed to go, but I got wrapped into working Saturday and Sunday. And it's just uh, it, it was hard, but yeah, please, man, get into it. I, I want to hear all about it. Yeah, I would say that, you know, the unique thing about the Coliseum is the one, because it's in L.A., you will inevitably always have uh, the other team's fan base will have a big presence there um, because it's a great, great place to go to vacation. If you have a family, you can bring your kids to Disneyland. Uh, if you want to get to a baseball game, especially early in the year, you can hit two birds, one stone. Uh, so you will always have that. Uh, you know, I was going into it, I was – curious to see how many Saints fans there were. I was there at the Vikings game last year um, and there was a ton of Vikings fans, so I think that set the bar. Uh, I was actually shocked at how many Saints fans that there were. Uh, so yeah, I ran into a bunch of them the night before. We were down watching the uh, Montana-Oregon game, the Pac-12 at dark. Um, engaged with a few of them. Next morning woke up, you know, <clears throat> kind of our routine especially now because they have fields open at the soccer stadium that's just adjacent to the coliseum it's a great place um to go watch the morning games it's got air conditioning it's got quick lines to get uh, a cocktail if you uh, partake in those uh so we usually do that um did that met uh rob uh from twitter laker ram man he's a good buddy of mine uh good to finally put a, a face to the name and, and the voice um, and then we always end up uh, over at the gold lot at uh, the Rams Empire tailgate. Um, those guys are incredibly welcoming. Um, Angel and Tommy and, and crew, uh, they're great to great to hang out with. So uh, we went and did that. Um, I kind of wanted to be in the stadium a little bit earlier than we normally are, so we had it in I don't know, about an hour and a half in. Um, kind of just hung out and watched the rest of the games on my phone while, uh, while we were getting ready for kickoff, watched everybody run through warm-ups. Um, it was a warm day. It was really hot, actually. I was I was told I wasn't supposed to complain about the heat by by Rob because he said North Carolina was miserable last week, but uh, it was hot, and it's probably because I had too many white claws. But <laughs> neither here nor there. Is that the drink? Claw. Is that the drink of choice? Oh yeah, absolutely. When it's hot out, yes. Give me a, give me a seltzer all day long. No, no, no. I can have no more white claw talk on my podcast. White claw, dude. <laughs> I mean, I'm. I have zero shame in my game. I, I, I don't care if I'm judged. I'm married, got a kid. We're good. I'm comfortable in my masculinity of drinking a black cherry white cloth. 
that's that's freaking awesome. And I know exactly what you mean about LA. Oh, just just a bunch of people just move out there for work after, like you know, sure. after they've grown up. So a lot of people bring their fandoms with them. So uh, when I was at USC, it was like you know nobody was a Rams fan. Now people are kind of starting to lighten up to it a little more, especially people from LA. But people that move there, they change it up. Um, I just want to know, like, what? It, so, like, how many Rams fans, to Saints fans, do you think there were? And uh, uh, like the vibe of the stadium, you know what I mean? Like, was it like a happy energy? Were people going nuts? You know, I think it's it's pretty unique. The the Rams have a scenario where most teams that have relocated have never had to go through. Where one, they kind of have a small pocket of fans that are that are there, um, and then they're trying to convert a bunch of people. Um, you know, when we had season tickets year one, it was brutal. Like it was forty percent Rams fans at most at every single game. Um, and the energy has changed year over year over year. And I think that one that comes with time, and then two that comes with winning. Um, as expensive as it is to go to a pro football game, <laughs> you better put a pretty good product on the field, or you're not going to have people there. Um, I will say the thing that's 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 getting better is like the, the fan game day experience and, and how the flow of the game goes from a fan's perspective. Um, I think the first couple of years it was, I don't know, it was terrible to say, but it was corny. Like they're trying to find out like what their, what their, their slat or tagline is and what they're, what you do when the defense is on the field. Like people just don't know. Um, as opposed <laughs> to like, if you go to, the, if you go to a Hawks, a Hawks game here, like they know what to do. They're really loud. That place is psychotic. Um, the Coliseum isn't there yet, but it's getting there. Um, from a Saints perspective, there was quite a few. Uh, you know, I think there was this, was... this was a really big game for them because it was a, this was a revenge game. So uh, I think they, they traveled for that reason. Uh, there was a lot of blind referee, walking cane, whistles, sunglasses, stuff, which... <laughs> was hilarious walking out of the stadium seeing a bunch of six-year-old women in referee jerseys with not much to say. <laughs> I don't get that. I don't, I, why would you dress up as the ref? If, I, I don't know. I, it's just the stupidest thing I would have, I, I saw on Twitter yesterday. Yeah, it was unique. You know, I, I get it. Like, if I was on the other side of that, like I'd probably be pretty pissed too. But... I don't know, that I understand, but dressing up as a ref, like the oh, yeah. ones who took it away from you, that I will not understand. Agreed. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm at most the jersey and a hat guy, so <laughs> I don't, I don't get the super fandom thing. I think we're we're all the on the same page there. I don't really understand that either, but obviously some people have that's their prerogative and that's what they like a to jersey, do. A jersey, a hat. One game this season, I might try to rock a Loki helmet, but max that, max. <laughs> nice, I love it, Loki helmet. Yeah, because it works. It's got the huge bendy horns. Yeah, totally. Speaking of, it was funny. We we sat in different seats than we than we normally sit in yesterday. And this this guy had a had a sombrero with with horns coming out the front of it. Every time he bent over to grab his beard, he poked me in the back of the head, and I was like, "Bro, you gotta stop tickling the back of my head with your horns." I like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great line. No, uh, that's the kind of stadium energy you need too. And I, I'm wondering yeah. too if if you, that kind of energy was was replicated when Cooper Cup was bouncing off everybody and, and broke 15 tackles and almost scored a touchdown in the third quarter. Uh, 
I really, I, I mean, I think so even more so because the game was the game was put away at that point. Yeah. I think that once once it was twenty to six, and that offense was absolutely terrible. They couldn't block anybody. Uh, so you know, when Cooper when Cooper busts that, <clears throat> just ping ponging all the way down the field. Uh, yeah, I think that place when it's electric is the is the costume you can get. Just the way that that thing's built, like. Even when it's loud, you don't really feel like it's super loud. Uh, I'm sure it's like that on the field, but from the when you're sitting in your seats, like you, it's not like CenturyLink that it's built vertically where you feel it. So yeah, that's the well, that stadium was built so that you could, you know, that that sound would be increased, right? And it'd be bouncing off the walls, yep. and you know, there's more of an echo there. And the Coliseum's wide open, so I'm hoping that yeah, it, in, in I mean, SoFi like, Stadium. Even for USC games that, that I went to, I never kind of got this, like, sense of, like, urgency really ever. I mean, it was really – it's just not – it's not built to be an NFL stadium. And next year it's going to be completely different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That new stadium is going to be awesome. I will say, though, that the renovations at the Coliseum are super nice. Um, a couple things. One, the seats are super comfy. There's a ton of room in between the aisles now. Um and then out on the concourse, it wasn't as crowded, uh, but it's probably because they probably, had, I don't know, they had so many more people walking around selling concessions, which made it from an enjoyable aspect. It was so much nicer. Like, if you had to go to the bathroom, like, you could get up and go and not miss a quarter. Uh, you'd be back in five minutes, so. Yeah, well, that's nice, too. It's That's something that they needed to fix as well, because it's, like you said, like Nick said, it's not designed to be an NFL stadium, so they don't accommodate to that many fans all the time. Uh, but that you new, sta- that new stadium is going to be insane, so we have a lot to look forward to. I want to know in the next stadium if they will, because they do this at Eagles games, which is one of the only things I can compare it to, is they, they bring the beer down to you in the seats. It's so annoying to have to get up and, like, go, because like, that's, like, a 20-minute process sometimes. Oh, totally. Yeah, I, I would imagine so because we went to Dallas two years ago. Um, we went to that game, and they had that where you could from your seat just call in your order and they bring it down. It's like like a club level at a baseball game, which is awesome. They could keep bringing me white claws all game. No, oh, no. <laughs> well, you know what? You're it, it's how many? How much more expensive is the SoFi Stadium compared to the Cowboy Stadium? Right? It's that was a, a billion dollar stadium. This is a four and a half billion dollar stadium. So we're expecting everything to kind of be served on a silver platter at this point, like Yankee Stadium type service, where you could just order something and then bring it down. Yeah, it's it's going to be amazing. I think that's for sure. Totally. Uh, the whole totally. the whole experience is going to be absolutely flip turned. Um, but let's go to go another game. What's your next game? Uh, Thursday night game, Seahawks game here. Uh, I'll be there, and then Coliseum wise, uh, I'm normally will make like a plan for a November game and then a December game, but. Since I have a four-month-old, I'm kind of kind of putting it on hold, and I'll, I'll, I'll see how she goes. I'm a Braves fan, too, so if the Braves end up going to play the Dodgers in the, in the playoffs, um, I will we'll try to parlay a trip on to that. So maybe October. <laughs> parlay. <laughs> well, first, let us say congratulations. And, um, Thanks. And, and second of all, um, it, it, there's, there's a lot to look forward to. I think there's a Seahawks game in November in the Coliseum as well, so – if you can figure out, or maybe that's in December, but if you can figure out a way there, I think Nick and I are going to try to figure out a way to get there to make up for not being at the Saints game. December um, 8th, yeah. Is, is December that what it is? 8th, we play the Seahawks at home. We'll see. I mean, I, I get, I watch the Seahawks so much. Like, I inevitably watch them every single weekend, and then I will go to the game every single time that they're here. 
Yep. So when I'm going when I'm going down to LA, I try not to go there. When when they first moved there and they announced that that was the the home opener, I was actually kind of pissed. I was like, damn it! I just want to see them play anyone else other than the Seahawks. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, you're in market, and we're kind of the same way with the Eagles games. We watch inevitably right. every single Eagles game just because of it. But, doesn't... but at the same time, the Rams don't play the Eagles like they do the Seahawks. I like it when the Rams play the Eagles because it's just like then everybody I know is like you know on top of it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, uh, well, let's look around the the rest of the NFC too. And, and honestly, before we we jump in anybody else, do you think that? And I, I saw your tweet earlier, uh, Dizzle, just talking about you know maybe the golden era with the Saints is potentially over. Do you do you honestly think that this whole you know after today and the whole vibe you caught in the stadium, do you think that the Saints era at least for this year is over? Uh, I mean, it depends on what when Drew comes back and what they do in between now and then. You know, I would say that the division that they play in, it's not like anyone's going to run away with it, or it doesn't feel like it. Atlanta Atlanta doesn't, I don't know. I, I thought with Cutter coming back that, that their offense would just look like it did three years ago, and it doesn't. Yeah. Um, Vic Beasley can't get to the quarterback. Uh, Deion Jones looks a little bit slower. Keanu Neal looks a little bit slower. Like, they just don't look like the same team. And to me, that's the only team that I think that can threaten to run away with the division. Tampa Bay hasn't beaten anybody. Carolina looks, I don't know, Cam might be the worst quarterback in the league. That's a, that's inclusive of everybody right now. He is bad. Um, so, you know, if they win a couple games and they're only a couple games out and Drew comes back, you know, at the beginning of November, yeah, they can make a run. And if he's healthy, I, he's scary, man. He's just, he's a surgeon and he will beat you. Yeah, he will. I mean, what we saw yesterday was kind of scary, the fact that he, he couldn't grip the football. But then you look at Teddy Bridgewater, and he's obviously a salvageable backup. So, I mean, they could at least go 500 with him, and you expect them to kind of hang around for the, for the meantime. But then, you you know, you look around. <laughs> a team like San Francisco somehow squeaked out 2-0. Um, you know, the Packers are going to be a threat too. But, I mean, aside from, from Atlanta, you look around at the rest of the NFC. I mean, is there anybody else that you're really kind of focusing on or you're, or you're, you're kind of timid about? Uh, Dallas is scary. Yeah, um, fair and enough. It's, it's, it's every position but the quarterback. Um, I, I still don't, I don't think Dak is, is, uh, anything, anything better than, than Philadelphia has to offer or, or even LA has to offer. Um, but their offensive line is scary. Their running back is scary. Amari Cooper is scary. Um, and their defense man is loaded. I, if I have like one position envy, it's their inside linebackers. Give me, give me Leighton Van Der Esch and, and Jalen Smith all day. Oh, uh, Van Der Esch would make such a difference on this team, too. Uh, could you imagine <laughs> replacing him with Hager? Oh, God. <laughs> Mikael Robbie Coleman would never see the field. <laughs> Poor kid. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I think Dallas. And then any team that has premier quarterback. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. And they got a defense. You know, I think what we saw, saw that last year with Jair Alexander, that dude is a gamer. Um, and now they can rush the, rush the passer. Uh, they can be scary. Yeah, and I think I was more so scared of you know the teams like the Bears and, and the Saints obviously last year, and obviously Dallas as well. Um, but the, you know, like you said, a team with premier quarterback could come back and, and make a difference. But let me ask you this too, because you know we're starting to realize this a little bit with McVay, and you know maybe the play calling at least early in the game, you know in the first half, it, it seemed to get a little bit shaky there. Um, do you think that you know with Lafleur in, in, in Green Bay and Green Bay and Zach Taylor in Cincinnati that you know, maybe the Rams' offense is kind of starting to be figured out a little bit amongst the league or throughout you know maybe it's kind of being shared around with coaches or it's becoming maybe the premier offense that everybody's kind of focusing on? Yes and no. I mean, I, I think that there's 
there's pieces of it that that are. Um, but if you look at specifically what Taylor does as has shown in the first two games in Cincinnati versus what Lafleur is doing in Green Bay, they're different offenses. You know, I would say that Cincinnati resembles more more like what LA is trying to do, but they just don't have the pieces to do it. Yeah. Um, whereas from a run game perspective, Green Bay doesn't look like that at all. Um, they still run a bunch of level concepts, um, which is a is a I don't know to me is a, is a big part of McVay's offense. Um, but I think Lafleur's offense more replicates what Shanahan does than what than what McVay does. Yeah, no, I think that that's a good point too, and. You know, it's you, you look around at the rest of the league, and, and you look internally with the Rams too. It's they, they've been running what they've been running so well, and all the the pre snaps and all the motions and everything that's keeping everybody on their toes. I, you know, you just get a little bit concerned when it happened a little bit in Carolina too, where they're just not. You know, the tempo isn't there and the momentum isn't there. So, uh, you know, you, you kind of look around and think to yourself, maybe it's maybe the word is kind of being spread. But I, I think that that's a really good point. They kind of are running two different offenses. Although I, you know, I kind of think that they they look a little bit similar to some of the things that McVeigh's doing, but it's just kind of the nature of, of what's happening. It's kind of a copycat right. league, right? And you know, you you really kind of you know like to take a look internally and see what's going on. But from I don't a, think the I don't think the Rams are like the offense, but there's definitely like a step into the future of, of, as to what's to come, and more of a decline of the of the you know just very defensive. Uh, coaching staff that we've seen in the past. It's more of a dynamic offense, and McVeigh's definitely leading the stride. I, I think what the what really is is happening there is that you know you look over the past decade, decade and a half, is teams went fully away from uh, traditional smash mouth uh, offense to where you know fullbacks rarely exist anymore, big backs don't really exist anymore. Like you need to be able to be on the field. For all three downs, you'd be able to be able to pass block. You better be able to catch your football. Um, and if not, then they're going to run multiple in the backfield. Uh, for me, I think that the thing that McVay does is that he knows that most defenses are under, undersized. You're going to see a bunch of nickels, see a bunch of dimes. And so he gets those defense slowed down by a bunch of pre-snap movement. Um, you look at the Rams offense, a rarity where they just go line up. You know, we've got... <laughs> twins right and we're just going to stay here that's not how that offense works they get everybody Never. moving so it slows them down um and that's kind of the way to combat the bobby wagner's and luke keekley's of the world yeah right you keep them on their heels so they're not expecting yep. you know kind of what what direction that they're we're planning on going in but you know well let's talk about all this misdirection and all these pre-snap motions and all this stuff are you concerned about what's happening with the offensive line because we just got a report back on uh, Austin Blythe and he seems to be day-to-day so the ankle's not serious uh, are you going to be concerned about maybe the depth of the os- offensive line or kind of what happened with Havenstein and Noteboom yesterday um two things I have one I was concerned going into this season yeah. like losing Roger was uh was was big and not only that like it's not like we had a bunch of depth behind them from an experience standpoint um so it was a concern of mine before we got into the season that's assuming that everyone was going to be healthy i thought austin took a huge step back last year from the previous year um and to me i don't think no boom is a left guard he's a waist bender and i he is not like roger at all um so do i think it's a, an issue yes um do i think that we have one of the best coaches outside of Skarnacki. Yeah, we have one of the best coaches to, that can that can kind of patch it together. My concern is if what happens if Brandon Allen goes down um, 
you know, our, what's our next choice? Is that throwing David Edwards down there? Right. Uh, it's kind of scary. <laughs> right. Or, um, or Bobby Evans. Who knows? But hey, look, it looks like uh, Brian Allen's a player, though. I mean, he, he besides that one penalty that was called where he was uh, an eligible receiver downfield, he looks like he could hold his own. Yeah, he's got some dog in him. He does. Um, he does. I, I, I do think that our offense, our offense is a, is a timing offense, and Jared, we've seen struggles when there's pressure up the middle. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the, the, the two two games that he's looked the worst are, are Philadelphia and Chicago, and well, and then the Patriots game, and that's yep. Danny Shelton wrecking a game, Akeem Hicks wrecking a game, and Fletcher Cox wrecking a game. Um, so it, it it's it's paramount that those the the interior actually plays well, um, and it, it's a work in progress. I think that they will get better. Um, but as for yesterday, that defensive line is nasty, man. Cameron Jordan is so good; <laughs> he, he embarrasses everybody. Uh, so yeah, Cameron, but right. yeah, I, I just didn't realize how dominant Cameron Jordan was going to be, especially because Havenstein last year was so incredibly tough and I mean he's obviously one of the great highest graded uh, pro football focused right tackles but aside from that if you look at the tape he was dominant all year so it, it moved the grades aside uh, it's a guy that never gets called for holding he's gotten called for holding I think three times this year already twice yesterday because you know Cam Jordan was all over the place so uh, you know what can you do except uh, you know maybe hope that they bring somebody in or hope that Bobby Evans or David Edwards can come in and do something if we need him because it's not totally. Denby it's not Denby. Oh, it definitely is, and that's it's funny because we're talking about the the blast situation, and the solution right now is Jamil Denby. And if you watch a preseason, that should freak everybody out. <laughs> um, so with with the talks of guys like Nika Fitzpatrick and Jalen Ramsey possibly being out there, let someone else go chase that stuff. I'd rather go from, yeah throw a first rounder throw a first rounder at the Steelers and say, hey, give this to David DeCastro or something. That would be more than ideal. <laughs> that would be kind of the perfect yep. situation. Um, and then maybe we'll you know, be able to replicate that, uh, maybe bring in somebody else. On the, and honestly, the defense looks good. If our linebackers can stay tough, we don't really need anything else besides offensive line depth and consistent offense. So uh, I'm glad you, you kind of saw the same thing. So last question, uh, Dizzle, we want to we wanna let you go after this. But what was, your, what was your overall takeaway from the game? Do you still see the solid progression that you've been seeing year over year with the Rams? Yeah, I mean, if you look at it and you say that the past two weeks, the Rams have looked mediocre on offense, and yet they've scored 57 points and hung two wins, one on the road, uh, early game on the East Coast, and then uh, beat a team that could have could have went and contended for a Super Bowl last year. I'll take 57 points and two dubs all day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think our defense is exponentially improved. Uh, I think that's Weddle uh, being in there, and I think Taylor Rapp is – that dude is going to be John Johnson 2.0, and I'm excited. Clay, too. Can't forget about Clay. Two sacks. Uh, you know what's funny is, is I I'm, I always play somewhat of the contrarian on on Twitter, and to me it's a little backstory. I, I played I played defensive end in college, uh, so normally when I watch games, that's where my eyeballs are at. I I think our front is is way better than it was last year, um, and that's inclusive of Dante Fowler and Clay Matthews. Um, last year, you know, everyone complained that Donald got double and triple team the whole game and no one would ever get home. Everyone, they're getting home. Like, who cares if they're a layup and no one is walking them? Like, they're getting home. That that stuff didn't exist last year. So, uh, yeah, I think our defense is, is probably going to lead this team the first four, five, six weeks, and then the offense will uh, will be there. Yeah. I'll hit the panic button if we, if we look terrible in December. I think that that's a good point. And, uh, you know, even Michael Brocker's got a sack last night, his first in 10 years. 
So uh, he does he does the dirty work, man. No one gives that dude any. I'm any only credit. kidding. He's just he's the he's the big sledge that just kind of just busts everything open. He is. He's he's a necessary cog for the uh, the the new fearsome foursome that we're developing too. So it's it's. <laughs> Uh, all good stuff. Uh, all right, Dizzle, thank you so much. Uh, again, guys, this is Nick Martin, the Dizzle. He uh, joined us for a half hour tonight on Rams Brothers the Pot, episode 27. I uh, hope you guys all enjoy. Uh, the Dizzle, any final words? Floor's yours. Uh, closing words. Um, 16 will be all right. He will. Let him, let, him, uh, let him go spend a little bit of that money. He's got a new girlfriend. So it's a big <laughs> shock to him. By week five... Uh, yeah, week five. He's going to come up here to Seattle. It'll show you how he's worth that money. Beautiful. I love it. I love, I love ending on a, on a pro golf note. You're singing, you're singing to the, the highest mountain right now. I'm freaking <laughs> all over it, brother. Thanks I, I just pre- yeah, I just appreciate we didn't talk about you know who's neat. So thanks for having me on anytime, guys. Of course, we would never talk about that knee. No problem. We'll talk to you. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Maybe Cheers. we'll talk to you after the Seattle game. Sounds good. Take All care, right. guys. Thanks for joining. Bye. All right. Well, everybody, go ahead. Uh, welcome to the end of Rams Brothers the Pod. I want to thank you for listening, Ramley. Uh, Dean and I uh, spent a lot of time on this, and it's we're so grateful to have you guys. Uh, you know, listen to it. Listen to Nick's picks. You know, don't hold me to anything. It, it's not. It's. I'm not an expert, but uh, I do enjoy betting, and I've been doing pretty well this season. I only have the one loss with the Vikings. So, uh, you know, maybe my word's worth something. Maybe it's not. But either way, uh, Ramley, we're happy to have you guys on our side. Can't wait to finally meet you guys at the Coliseum whenever we go to a game. Uh, Brother Dean, do uh, you have anything to say to the, to the Rams nation? Yeah, I would just add on and say, again, thank you. Echo everything that you just said. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, you know, th- this positive momentum is going to continue to build up. So as long as we can continue to fill the Coliseum with Rams fans, spread the good word and grow the Ramley, I think that the Rams brothers are going to be really happy with what's happening in the space. Plus, also next year, we have so much to look forward to with the new stadium. And there's a lot of positivity surrounding the Rams. So, you know, if you guys can uh, give us a follow on Twitter, you know, retweet our stuff. We'll interact with you guys and hopefully we'll have the chance to uh, to bring on some some guests and uh, some additional Twitter follows as we as we continue the show. And again, we're we're so happy that you guys take the time to listen. Uh, Nick and I could not be more appreciative. And uh, you know, we're onward and upward in the words of Taylor Rapp. Yeah, I love it. Taylor right. Rapp, our boy. All right, cool. And uh, by the way, guys, if uh, you know if you're identifying that you may have a gambling problem, you can call one eight hundred Nicky. That's one eight hundred N I C K Y. Yeah, it's either going to be me or Tony Romo picking up the phone on a beach somewhere. So, uh, so give us a call. Um, I'll probably just tell you to bet the house. Awesome. All right, guys, take it easy. Cue the King right, K Rule music. Ram it, King K Rule. Right side goal line cut. Touchdown, LA. I give it up for Cooper Cup, his father Stanley Cup, his sister Dixie Cup, his dog Peanut Butter Cup, and his great aunt Dee. My favorite. <laughs> Stadium. I like the sound of that. Ah! Woo! 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 Woo
we call a sack lunch. Uh oh, spaghettios! You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.